Well, again, we are so thankful to be able to be with you. Again, my name is Brad Parker. I serve as one of the assistant pastors at Bible Baptist Church, and my primary ministry is overseeing our Christian school. Uh, we have about 150 students in our school, uh, four-year-old through 12th grade, and uh, it is a privilege to be able to uh, interact uh, with that many students day in and day out. We have them for about seven hours a day, and uh, we're thankful that we can provide for them a uh, a biblical curriculum and biblical teaching and Bible class and chapels throughout the week. And um, as Andrew mentioned in his testimony, uh, he started when he was five years old in our school in kindergarten. And several of the ones you saw up here uh, singing today started when they were back when they were four or five years old. And uh, their parents put them in our school. And uh, they've grown up through that. And uh, just thankful for how God works uh, in the lives of his people. Let's have a word of prayer, and then we will be in 2 Peter uh, chapter 1 for, for our time today. Let's pray. Lord, we are reminded once again this morning that you are fair, you're pure, you're more lovely than anything. Lord, there are so many things that come into our lives that try to distract us. There are so many things that vie for our time and our affections, priorities. And Lord, remind us again this morning, through your word, through your spirits, that we need to, uh, to magnify, to exalt, to glorify your name. And Lord, we can't do that in our own strength. We need you to work through us and in us. And uh, I pray that even as we have sung this morning, it, just a simple trust and obedience to what you call us to do. And Lord, we are so thankful that this great exchange took place, that Christ took all of our sin there on the cross, and that those who put their faith and trust in Christ receive his righteousness. Lord, we don't understand that. We step back and we marvel as we sing those words. But Lord, that's what makes you so beautiful. It's what makes you so great. It's what makes us want to come and worship you. And so, Lord, I pray today as we open your word that, uh, Lord, you would work in our own hearts. Lord, we need your word to speak to us. Lord, we need you to help us to grow, to become more like Christ. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, in Sunday school, if you were able to be with us, we looked at Psalm 55 during our Sunday school hour. And we looked at David's really cry out to God in the midst of trouble. And uh, just some great reminders there in, in Psalm 55. And uh, concluding uh, with verse 16, when David cries out to cast our burden upon the Lord, and he will sustain you. And those are just really good reminders and truth to hold on to uh, as we go through our everyday life, our everyday struggles. And what I want to do is kind of follow up that Sunday school challenge with a message this morning on, on 2 Peter chapter 1 and verses 1 through 4. Because as we think about uh, the challenges that we all face, I want to give us some truth that we can hold on to. You know, you and I need truth to hold on to in, in, in all of life. And uh, maybe uh, I mentioned in Sunday school that I grew up in the, in the Washington, uh, D.C. area. And traffic up in Washington, D.C. is different than traffic down south in places. Now, we live in the Charlotte area, and Charlotte's growing, and 
people are, it seems like everyone's moving to Charlotte. I talked to someone yesterday that said everyone's moving to Myrtle Beach, and maybe you feel that as well. And, uh, but it, it's growing in the Charlotte region, but nothing like uh, the growth that I saw in the Washington, D.C. area. And there in Washington, D.C., if, if you're traveling, there are things that you have to remind yourself of in order to drive properly. There are truths that you have to follow uh, in order to just think about, okay, I, I don't want to, you know, uh, be in an accident, so I have to follow the driving laws. Well, as we think about our lives, we need to have these truths set in our hearts because, at least for me, it is so easy as we live our lives to question God's plan, isn't it? We doubt sometimes even if God is in control. And we look at our lives and, and we wonder, you know, Andrew's testimony about God's love for us. We wonder, but God, do you actually love me? We look around and we say, well, that person, it seems like God loves them, and it seems like God's blessing is on that person, but does God really love me? And Lord, if you're really that good and you're really that powerful, then why are you bringing me through this particular experience? And there are times that we think that we're not, handled, we're not equipped to handle the trials that we face. Financial challenges, health concerns, relationship tensions in home or at work, and a variety of other situations just kind of weigh us down. Have you ever felt weighed down by just, just life? And David experienced that. We looked at that in Psalm 55 this morning. But I want us to give us just some principles, I hope, that you can maybe just jot down that, that can be just an encouragement to you today. And I've been meditating the last several weeks on 2 Peter chapter 1. Because second, Peter here is writing to a group of believers. They're actually scattered believers. And they're going through their own difficulties, their own struggles. Peter is coming to the end of his life, and he's giving them instruction that they can take with them. And I think for all of us, we desire to live a life that pleases the Lord. We desire our lives to be conformed to God's character and the gospel. And Peter is seeing that here in 2 Peter. And as we've read already these first four verses... Some great truths that I trust can, that we can take with us. And so, um, let's look here at verse number 1 of 2 Peter chapter 1. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. So what's the first truth that carries us through trials? I just want to say, just very simply, that we are Christ-selected servants. You know, it, we can read those first four verses. It takes us about 45 seconds to a minute. But I just want to ponder some of the truths that, that Peter is sharing with the believers and, and with us today. And he says, we are Christ-selected servants. You know, it's interesting to me, at the end of his life, Peter recognizes that he is simply a servant of Christ. You know, Peter is that disciple that was willing to to do whatever. You know, he was willing to take the risk, to take the chance. And we, the other day we were talking in our school and, and uh, we were talking about uh, walking, uh, going down and visiting the beach and being able to walk on the beach. And, and I, I slipped up and said, I'm going, to, I'm going to walk on the water instead of walk in the water. And uh, the kids started giving me a hard time about that. And, um, but Peter was that one that walked in the water. But yet he says that as we think about our trials, he, he is reminding us 
He's reminding those that he's writing to that we are simply servants of Jesus. Peter could have easily flaunted his spiritual, spiritual background, yet he understood that his calling is because of Jesus Christ, that we're simply servants. And I need to be reminded of that. Because sometimes, in my flesh, I start thinking that life is all about Brad Parker. That life has to go according to my plan. And, and, and God, no, I don't like the fact that you want me to do this. I don't like the fact that you've called me to do this. But Peter says that we are Christ-selected servants. And what does that mean if we're a Christ-selected servant? It means that we are owned by God. He purchased us. We just sang that together. That God purchased us. We're bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in our body. And friend, today, as, as we think about a truth that will help us through a trial we have to remind ourselves that we are Christ-selected servants and that we are owned by God. He purchased us, and the purchase price was his own blood. We talk about the, the big boom of people moving to Charlotte or moving to Myrtle Beach, and at least in the Charlotte area, prices are just going sky high. And maybe you're seeing that here in the Myrtle Beach area as well. But Jesus didn't purchase us with money like we would purchase a house. He purchased us with his blood. And so we are possessed by God. We're owned by God. And that gives a great sense of security that God owns me. And no matter what comes across my path, that's a truth that carries us through a trial. Secondly, because I'm a servant, I'm also at the unqualified disposal of God. And now one, of the, one of the things that we try to instill in our students in our school is that we have one life to live. That's all. And it goes quickly, doesn't it? It goes very quickly. And don't waste your years trying to serve yourself. But instead, just cry out to God and say, God, okay, I'm your servant, so therefore I'm at your disposal. Whatever you ask me to do, I'm, I'm willing to do. And that truth will help us in the midst of trials, help us just understand life. God, God here I am. Please use me in any way that you want. And sometimes God chooses to bring circumstances into our lives that we would not choose for ourselves so that as we are faithful to him, God uses us to impact others in incredible ways. The first song that our young people sang tonight was written by a young man who was serving on the coffee evangelistic team. And uh, they're a team that travels around the country. I'm not sure if they come here, Pastor Wood or not. And um, had recently gotten married, had a, a young child, and just, I think, had to run back to get something and got into a car accident, I believe, and, and, and passed away. And we asked ourselves, God, why? Why would you take the life of a 20-something-year-old? But that young man was at the disposal of God, and God chose to use that particular circumstance. And I'm convinced that God has brought many people to himself and has challenged many people because of his testimony. And we are still singing a song today that was written by him. It also means not only are we owned by God, purchased by God, that we're at the disposal of God to be used by him in whatever way he chooses. It's, it, it's, it's not my life. 
And I, I need to remind myself of that. It's not my life. God, it's, it's, it's your life. You purchased me, and so therefore I'm at your disposal. But therefore we also then owe an unquestioning obedience to God. Oh boy, isn't it easy to question God? God, why? Why this? Why that? Why, why do I have to have this financial struggle? Again, in the school context that I struggle with, my struggles are related many times to, do we have enough money to, you know, to keep the school afloat? Do we have enough students? You know, how are the students behaving? Or how are their grades? And, and there's so many things. And I just need to step back and say, God, I'm not in control. You are. And my responsibility, as we sang, uh, the very first song we sang this morning, was trust and obey. That's my responsibility. Lord, the, the weight's actually on you. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that Brad Parker's not in control. The problem is sometimes Brad Parker wants to be in control. And so do you sometimes. But we, are, we, we have to have this unquestioned obedience. And then, fourthly, we see that the call of the Christian as a servant means that we should be in service to God. We should be looking to serve God in any capacity. And so do you see yourself as this type of servant? For all of us, it's easy to get our thinking off track. We begin thinking that this world actually owes us something. Lord, I'm a Christian. I'm trying to serve you. Look at me. And I'm trying to follow you. And all these things take place in my life. I don't deserve this. I don't deserve to go through this financial hardship. I don't deserve to go through this health, cha health challenge. Yet we must remind ourselves that we are simply a servant of Jesus Christ. And we live our lives to obey and follow our master today. And that brings a perspective to life no matter what comes across our path. And so I forget this. And so therefore, when something comes across my path that I wouldn't choose, then I start griping and complaining. And, and even as a testimony was shared this morning in Sunday school, you look at the Israelites. And we read the, the account of the Israelites it's like God provided for you each step of the way, but yet you, keep, you kept complaining. And we kind of like uh, throw, you know, uh, arrows at them. Say, How can you do that? Why would you do that? And then we look at ourselves and we do the same thing, don't we? And we forget that, no, wait a second, I'm simply a servant. I'm a Christ-selected servant, servant to do whatever God asked me to do. Now back to our text, it also says that, we're, that, that uh, Peter says a servant and an apostle. Okay, an apostle of Jesus Christ. It's, it's simply one that's been sent out by another. And, and not only are we a servant, but part of being a servant is God has sent us out on a mission to, to, to be a light no matter where God has placed us, in our neighborhood, in our workplaces. We are, we are, we are, we are placed in our particular locations to be and to make much of Jesus. I mentioned this in Science Group, one of the most challenging things that our family has experienced is that everyone down south is a Christian. At least they say they're a Christian, it feels like to us. Where we lived in the D.C. area, we didn't experience that. But we moved into our house five years ago, and our neighbor beside us, they go to, you know, uh, ABC Baptist Church. The neighbor on the other side went to a different church, another Baptist church. The neighbor across the street went to a different Baptist church. And everyone around us, they just felt like they were Christians. But yet the reality is God has placed you in your context, to make much of Jesus, and you have a mission to tell others about him. Can I just remind you that if we live in such a radical, Christ-centered, authentic life, it's going to impact others? 
And this is what's, this is what's awesome about the, about, the, about the family of God, is that you and I are going to meet all kinds of different peoples this week. We're, moving, we're going back to Charlotte this afternoon, and so my context is different than your context. But even within this room, you guys all live in this, you know, little river, North Myrtle Beach area. Your, your context is different. You live in different neighborhoods. You have different friend groups. You go to different doctors. You have different relationships. And God has called each of us to go forth to be a blessing and to, and to speak much of who Jesus is. So not only are we Christ-selected servants, but secondly, if we keep reading through our text, look at verse number, uh, verse number one. It's continue on, it says, uh, Simon Peter's servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is just such a, it's such a simple truth that I often forget in the midst of difficulties. Peter here recognizes that the faith of his listeners is the same precious faith that he has. This is written to a, a group of believers who are going through suffering. And I'm convinced that when things are going well, it is easy to forget what God has done for you. And Peter is reminding them, friends, don't forget, Jesus has given you this precious faith. Jesus has died for you. You have eternal life. You have salvation. So no matter what trial you're going through, we need to get our thinking back on course and remind ourselves, okay, Jesus suffered and died for me. We have this precious faith because of the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. I remind in Galatians 1.4, who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father. And it's easy for me to start thinking, because I grew up in a Christian school. I was thinking this morning, this is my 40th year in Christian education. I started when I was three in a Christian school. I really did. Okay? And I've been in Christian education ever since. I went to a Christian school all the way through 12th grade. I went to a Christian college. After I graduated from college, my wife and I got married. We went to work at a Christian school. This is the 40th year of working in, a Christian, in Christian education. And I start thinking, wow, I'm a pretty good person. I look around me at the culture and say, I'm actually pretty good. And I start thinking, ah, I don't know, you know, we start thinking that we're better than other people. But can I just remind you and remind me today that I needed Jesus as much as anybody else? You look at, you know, the most evil person you can think of. My heart is desperately wicked, Jeremiah reminds us. And we forget, I forget sometimes because I'm so in this Christian world that my heart and my attitude toward God was, as Ephesians 2 reminds us, I rejected God. I was dead in my sins and I needed God to rescue me. Friends, we need to be reminded of that truth daily. We need to remind ourselves of what God has accomplished for us. Because when we remind ourselves of what God has accomplished for us, all the difficulties, all the trials that we experience, they, they, they don't seem quite as big, right? Because God has rescued us from our greatest need. Because you and I, because of sin, it separated us from God, and, and we deserved an eternity in hell. But if you have put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ... You and I have an eternity in heaven. 
fellowship with him forever. We had, I, I served in Maryland for 13 years at a church in a Christian school, and we had a gentleman up there. His name was Frank Owens. And Mr. and Mrs. Owens, Frank and Evelyn Owens, they uh, loved missionaries. They loved to try to serve those in missions, but they were not able to go to the field themselves. And so back in the 1960s, they started a ministry called Sound of the Word Ministry. And what they would do is they would send uh, information, literature, cassette tapes. Our students don't know what those are, okay? <laughs> cassette tapes. And they would send them over to missionaries to, to be a blessing to missions because he loved missionaries so much. And he loved Christian education. So he would always come up to me and say, Brad, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for the school. And he always closed every conversation with me. He said, Brad, don't forget, the best is yet to come. And I'll never forget Brother Owens. And the Lord called him home several years ago. But that puts things in perspective, doesn't it? The best is yet to come. And I don't know what you're struggling with. I don't know what God has you going through right now. But can I just remind you that he saved you? We have this precious faith. And notice what that precious faith brings. It brings grace and it brings peace through the knowledge of God and of our Lord Jesus and Jesus our Lord. And I remind myself, okay, do, do I really know God? Do, do I know this God who saved me? Because if I know the God that saves me, Peter says it brings grace and peace. And that's what I need. We need this grace and we need this peace. And it says, I love this, verse number two, grace and peace be multiplied unto you. This unmerited favor of God, you can't earn it. You can't clock in and, and, and merit it. We actually, we deserve death and hell, and, and God's grace keeps us from sin, sustains us when life is grueling, and we need God's grace to persevere when life weighs us down. I think back to situations in my life people that I love, it brings tears to my eyes, thinking about situations that people have gone through. Andrew gave his testimony this morning. About four years ago, his little brother was diagnosed with cancer. And the Sparks family needs grace and peace multiplied to them when they go through those, with that particular trial. I had a family come to our school, I think it was a year or two ago, and they said, we want to put our son in school. We want, him be, we want him to be in a Christian school, but my husband doesn't have a job, and we're only making, I think they said, $11,000 a year. Can you help us? Financial challenges. We need grace and peace multiplied in those situations. Health situations, whatever it is, loved ones that, that have run away from the Lord, and, and multiplied grace and multiplied peace comes. What does verse 2 say? It comes through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Friends, are you getting to know God? I loved Andrew's testimony this morning. It's so easy to, to live our Christian lives duty-based. I just check, a, check off a list, go to church, read my Bible. I'm kind to my, those around me. But do you, do you really know God? One of the things we do... And we'll kind of close up with this. One of the things we do as a school is we do a school camp at the beginning of the year. We go up to Virginia, up near Charlottesville, Virginia, to a camp called Rapidan Baptist Camp. And um, we take the 9th through 12th graders. 
So when we come back, the eighth graders are always super jealous of us because the ninth through twelfth got to go, and the eighth graders don't get to go. And uh, but I said, next year you can go, and God re-enroll in our school, and we'll take you next year. And the older students always say, Dr. Parker, let's make it tenth through twelfth this year. We don't want the ninth graders coming. And um, and so there is. Uh, uh, an activity there called the death rail. And uh, it's not as scary as it sounds. But the maintenance guy at the camp took guardrails off the side of the road that were being disposed of, and the camp has a hill that goes down, and he actually uh, installed these guardrails on the ground going down this, down this hill. He then made a homemade like cart, seats on a, on a rectangular wooden frame, put wheels underneath, to fit the guardrails. And so you sit down, and it's going down a pretty steep hill, and these guys like to push, particularly when I'm riding, they'll push me really fast so I get a head start. And I think the camp director says you go about 35 miles an hour down this hill on this cart, and you have, you're not strapped in, you're just holding on for dear life. All right? And he says he's never had an injury unless someone lets go of the handles. Okay? So that's called, that's called the death rail. Now, I can explain that to you, and, and the students could explain it to you, because most of them have ridden the death rail, and I've ridden it several times. But until you actually sit down on that seat and get that push and start going down that hill, you have never actually experienced the death rail. I think for a lot of believers, it's the thing, same thing spiritually. We know about God. We know facts about God. We, we actually check off a list of things to do and, that we do and don't. But do we really know God? Do we have a relationship with God? Are we talking with God daily? Are we in his word? Is it something, we're not just checking off a list. If I could just just challenge you in that area. Because grace and peace is multiplied to those who know God. And then finally, in verse number four, Peter says this, whereby were given unto us exceeding We'll go to point four, exceeding great and precious promises. And because we're a school, we have to give you some homework, okay? Because we're going to be leaving you here in a little bit. So I want to give you some homework. Do you know, can you call to memory some of the great and precious promises in Scripture? Because that's going to help you through trials. There's actually a resource I was, I was going through. Um, let me see if I can find it here. Um, the, the, these, these promises... They're precious and they're very great. They're highly valued and prized. The quantity of them and the quality of them. Herbert Locklear wrote a book, All the Promises in the Bible, and according to him, there's 8,000 promises that we see in Scripture. Promises made to Isaac, to Abraham, to Jacob. We see in Psalm 119, David rose early to be reminded of God's promises. He, he, he makes the, the comment, I'm going I'm to wake up early, he says, Right? In Psalm 119, 148, so catch this, that I may meditate on your promise. When you can't sleep at night because there's just something that's weighing you down, can I just encourage you just to start rehearsing God's promises? That's truth that will carry us through trials. And I don't know what you're facing, but these promises, Peter says, they're great and they're precious. And that by these, you might be partakers of the divine nature. That doesn't mean that we're going to be like God. 
We're not going to be like God. We're not going to, we're not going to become God. But as we, as we allow God's promises to refresh our, our souls and our minds, we will become more like Christ. Because we're going to be thinking like Christ. We're going to allow these promises to, to guide us and direct us. And, and it just it helps life work. And it's truth that carries us through as these promises just resonate in our souls. When I look at life and I don't understand it, right now we're looking for a kindergarten teacher for next year. It is hard finding teachers. If you know one, let me know. It is hard finding. I was like, Lord, we need a kindergarten teacher. We've got 13 students signed up for next year. Okay, I need to sit back and remind myself. God says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I mean, you just start working through the promises of God. And has God ever failed? Will God ever fail? But I think sometimes, oh, uh, you're not going to fail anybody else, God, but you're going to fail me. We think that way sometimes. And so, friends, I don't know what your burdens are today, but I hope that through the, through the music, through Andrew's testimony, through just thinking through and contemplating 2 Peter chapter 1, that we can take these truths, that we are Christ-selected servants, that we have obtained a precious faith that brings grace and peace. That's what we're looking for. That's what we need through that knowledge of God. And, and we've been given everything for life and godliness, so we didn't get a chance to look at verse 3 in depth. But we have been given exceeding great and precious promises. So I would just encourage you, if I can give you a homework assignment, is maybe just take this week and find 10 promises in Scripture just to think about. Write them down. And, and just, just read through them. Maybe share them with somebody in your church. That will be truth that will help carry you through the trial. It'll be a huge encouragement to you. One of our themes, I mentioned in Sunday school, that our theme this year is magnifying Christ. Our theme a couple years ago was trusting in God's promises. And, that, and that's what you and I need to do. We need to trust in God's promises because they're exceeding, they're great, and they're precious. Well, thank you again for allowing us to, to be here with you today. And uh, I know my heart was stirred just from the music and from the testimonies myself. And um, we look forward to fellowshipping with you as well um, with the meal to follow. Um, but let's have a word of prayer and ask God to take these truths and just implant them into our hearts. Lord, we are so thankful for your word that gives us guidance, it gives us direction, because it's so easy for us to get off, off course. We start thinking that this world actually owes us something. We forget that we're simply a servant of yours, that you have called us to be your servants. And therefore, we need to be at your disposal to do whatever you ask us to do. And that's a scary thing sometimes to say. Lord, thank you that you have given us this multiplied grace and peace as we come to know you. And I, I pray that this group of believers would come to know you in a deeper and a fuller way this year. So they would experience that multiplied grace and multiplied peace. Lord, I pray that we would be reminded that you have given us everything for life and godliness. And Lord, you have given us in your word these great and precious promises. And I don't know what these dear friends are going through, but I know that you know and that your promises are sufficient to carry us through the trials that we face. Lord, thank you that we can continue to glorify your name, sing your name, Lord, that we can um, just magnify who you are. Lord, thank you.
for who you are and what you've done for us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.